0: Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today our guest is Robbie Gwyn, and he is with one of our sponsors, Dog River Marina, and uh, he also does some yacht sales, I believe, and he'll fill us in on that, but uh Before we bring him in and start our discussion today, I do want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral-level sponsors. They are Beneteau, Curtis Stokes & Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we hope that our listeners will support these businesses that support the Great Loop. Robbie, thanks for joining me today.
1: Well, thank you, Kim, for having me. I look forward to this
0: yeah, and as I mentioned, Robbie is one of our sponsors. Um, but the discussion today is going to surround how Looper should approach and deal with, Uh, Toes and barges today because that is something that many of us boaters who haven't done the inland rivers Aren't really familiar with and Robbie approached me at one of our our events and said, you know, I can really help with this I think there's some great information that I can give to loopers. So that's why we decided to do this today So Robbie start tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to know so much about barges and toes
1: Okay, Kim, um, I started 42 years ago and the inland waters and western rivers of the united states um i started out on the deck of a towboat and i worked my way up to pilot and then became captain and worked for six different companies uh, across the united states and um i had no idea as to looper situation i met a lot of boats on the waterways and especially on the tin tom which is a a real avenue for yachts because of the current situation. But at any rate, I had no idea there was a such a thing as loopers as a tow boater, but uh, that's uh, how I got started with, with uh, the tow boaters. I did it for so many years.
0: Mm-hmm. So, like I said, you kind of approached me about this as a potential topic and you will be talking about this at our upcoming fall rendezvous too, but why did you think that this was something that would be good for loopers to know about?
1: Because when I was actually working on boats, um, there was such a difference in communication. A lot of the people that run recreational vessels, uh, they just don't even, they fail to call you or make any communication or anything like that because when they're overtaking you, it's so important. And when these barges are in restricted channels and they're trying to meet these yachts, uh, they have no idea of the weight or the, or what it takes to stop the boats or anything like that. So I thought it might be a good idea that people question me about what does it weigh and how long does it take to stop it. And, you know, when you're making those turns, does it slide? And, you know, which direction should I go? And when, when we would meet different uh, recreational vessels, They wouldn't even call, and it's so important that we make communication with with everybody you meet on the waterways.
0: Right, and I think so many people just don't know that because they haven't boated in that area. And for those who haven't and haven't perhaps come across a tow, explain just the enormity of these, because I think people perhaps don't realize how big these vessels and, and what they're towing are.
1: Well, the these boats are they range from anywhere from a thousand horsepower to ten thousand five hundred horsepower, depending on where you are. Um, the loopers are going to meet every size tow that you can imagine. Um, but when it gets to the ten Tom, let's use it as an example. It's such a restricted area and such a restricted channel. Some of those toes are 108 foot wide, and your channel's like 135 foot wide, and the yachters just have no idea as to how to approach passing and what they should do or shouldn't do, and it's so important. And channel 13 and channel 16 are, are probably the best two channels that you can use to communicate with the boats um, channel 16, you can always get somebody to answer on that channel.
0: Okay, and and that's consistent throughout the inland rivers?
1: That is true, except on the lower Mississippi River and then it's channel 67, but when you're on the waterways, no matter where you are, if you'll go to channel 16 and ask them what channel should you be standing by on, it's so important. And all of the locks stand by on channel 16 and or 13, depending on what river system you're on. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So before we kind of go on to talk about what loopers should do when encountering a tow, I thought it would be helpful if we kind of looked at it um, from the tow captain's side of things. So tell us a little bit about what life is like aboard a tow, because uh, and the barges that that you're responsible for can you know tell us a little bit about how big how many wide by how many long um you know is there a lot of pressure to be making a delivery by a certain time what's it like well you know what's everybody doing aboard the toe when we see them
1: well first of all i want to answer that uh the urgency uh upon a toe there is no urgency kim mm-hmm. um it's so important because any time anybody gets in a hurry uh there's so much danger involved that's something they stress so much to us on tow boats, is to not to get in a hurry with anything you do um uh, because you start rushing people if the owners of the company say listen we've got to have a cargo at certain certain time at certain certain place you can't do it that way it has to be done by safety, and that's the key thing. In all of my years, I never experienced anyone to tell me to get in a hurry, so there is no urgency, but we do try to uh, to stress the safety part of it.
0: Okay, um, and, and tell us, for those who, you know, perhaps are new to boating, we're not talking, let's, let's define a little bit what we're talking about by towboats, because we're not talking about towboat U.S. that's going to come tow a pleasure craft off of a sandbar or something like that. So tell us a little bit about what the job of a towboat is in this part of the country.
1: Okay. Um, I'll just give you a for instance, of the last tows I pushed. I worked for a company called Blessing Marine Services out of Louisiana, and I pushed red flag barges, which means anytime it's a red flag, there's a danger to it. Uh, I'll get back to the red flag part, but the dimensions of the barges are 300 by 54. So when you take two of those barges and and you double them up, you're 108 foot wide. And in your locks, all the locks on the 10-time, let's say, for instance, are 600 by 110. So you've got a foot on either side when you enter the lock, and so that's how large they are when you're entering the lock and then you actually have to if you're you're actually pushing them strung out which means one behind the other you you're 600 feet long so that just fits in the lock and you have to break the boat out and get on the side of the barges Uh, those barges hold the two of them together hold about 12,000 tons of cargo Uh, my cargo at that time was an asphalt cargo and They're drawing nine feet of water, and you have 12,000 tons with that size tow.
0: Wow. So obviously, um, pleasure craft need to understand that, need to understand that they're not as maneuverable as perhaps a much smaller (laughs) vessel would be. Um, So as a tow captain, what's the first thing that goes through your mind when you see a pleasure boat like a looper coming towards you on the river?
1: You're thinking now, is this guy gonna make communication or do I need to make communication? Or how is this gonna work? And you can call the pleasure craft and you can say, uh, I'm at mile three fifty one, this is the, the Walter Blessy, I'm at mile three fifty one, come in here, pleasure craft, and then all of a sudden there's no answer. It is so important to communicate. Uh, I cannot stress enough because when you're up 53 feet in the air and you're behind those barges, your back is to some of the ones that are overtaken. And when they're overtaken, they have no, and you're looking out over the toe. You're not looking behind you. And, yes, we do have radar that sees the boat coming up behind you. But sometimes in the daytime some of those guys cut their radars off in the daytime when they can see real well. So it's so important that they use their VHF radios and call on channel sixteen or channel thirteen and nine times out of ten you'll get an answer. I, I just don't I've never known one not to answer you. So And there may be a turning situation where the boat is fixing to make a turn and you're overtaking and you assume which whistle you think you need to go by on and it may be the wrong side. So it's so important that you call the operator of the towboat and say, you know, what would be the proper whistle for me to overtake you on. Mm -hmm.
0: And we'll talk a little bit in a moment about uh, what Robbie means by which whistle, um, because everyone might not be familiar with that. But before we move on to looking at things from the loopers perspective, is there anything else that you want loopers to understand about uh, tow barges and their captains?
1: Well, the weight is so important. And when you're in those shallow waters, and we're gonna go back to the 10 Tom and use it as an example, because it's so shallow in that thing. Those toes, when they're drawing nine feet of water, they pull the water. When they start plowing through the water, they pull water. And it's so important that you not get close to it because they're drawing water towards the toe and it will suck you right into the side of barges. And another thing is, is when people are, you see a toe coming and there's a bend in the way or it's a restricted channel going into a lock, it's so important that you, you know, call that captain and see whether or not that it's permissible for you to enter into the same place that he is, uh, depending on where you are. It just, uh, people just need to communicate, and that's so important because it, the weights are so dangerous out there, and it takes so long to stop it, and uh, safety is number one.
0: Absolutely. And I think you've done a really good job of stressing uh, the importance that loopers really be aware of how to interact with the toes and to make sure that they communicate. So we're going to take a quick break and play an ad from one of our sponsors. When we come back, I kind of want to shift it to the loopers perspective and go over what best practices are and what they should do as they're approaching a toe. So we'll be back in a moment. Did you know that every mile of the Great Loop is covered by Skipper Bob Guides? Its mile-by-mile format is a great planning tool and essential at the helm. On the most popular routes and side trips, Skipper Bob covers preparation, navigation, bridges and locks, and the best places to visit. Skipper Bob Guides are updated each year, and its website keeps you current with navigation alerts and cruising news. To check it out, go to skipperbob.net. Skipper Bob is a proud admiral sponsor of AGLCA. We're back on Great Loop Radio. My guest today is Robbie Gwynn, and we are talking about how loopers should deal with the toes that they're going to come across on the inland rivers. Um, So, Robbie, before we really jump into what a looper should do when encountering a toe, Let's go back to, um, you mentioned uh, the whistles um, and how they're going to pass, meaning the one or the two. Explain that for those who have never heard those terms before.
1: Okay, on all of your vessels, everybody has a handbook from the Coast Guard, and it's so important that you review the inland section of that handbook. Uh, It's required by law that we all have them on our vessels. And so it's really a great reference point for to be able to look up the one-whistle and the two-whistle and what it means. But uh, the one-whistle is just like an automobile. Think about it like passing on a two-lane road. Uh, It would be your port to his his, uh, port. Port to port would be the one. Starboard to starboard is the two. And that would be when you're in a situation where you're meeting a vessel. Now, when you're overtaking a vessel, the two-whistle would be, if you're overtaking your starboard to his port, if it's the one-whistle, it would be your port to his starboard. So that's the difference between the two, and it it confuses people quite a bit. But if you go to your handbook and go to the inland section, it's such a good reference to see. Uh, what you need to do, um, and so that's those are the whistles that you need to know about. But it's so important as to make those arrangements before you meet that toe.
0: Now we're using the term whistles. Most of the time they're going to tell you that over the radio, correct? You're not actually hearing whistle signals. That's-
1: That's right, on on channel 16 or channel 13, whichever would it be on your VHF radio that you make communication.
0: Okay, so don't expect you to hear actual whistle signals. That tow operator is going to tell you to pass them on their one or their two. I just want to share a tip that – I'm sorry, go ahead. Did you have a comment on that?
1: Back in the old days, Kim, that's what they would make them do before they would go around a bend. They would sound the whistles that they would meet on before they ever started up into a bin or started down into a bin, depending on what, where you were. So that's how they made communications before there was a radio.
0: That's really that's really interesting. It's always nice to, to hear where these terms came from. So that makes perfect sense. Um, one tip that I got from a looper one time, because I know that the one and the two does cause a lot of confusion, and I like to share this tip because it just it clarified it so much for me and seems to help a lot of other people. But the advice that I've gotten is to think of the one and the two. Think about an analog clock um, with the one, which is just towards your right, and the Think of the 11 on an analog clock as a Roman numeral 2. And if you're going to pass on the 1, point the bow of your boat towards the 1 on an analog clock. If you're going to pass on the 2, point the bow of your boat towards the 11 or the Roman numeral 2 on that analog clock. And that seems to work for a lot of people as a a simple way to remember that because it can be confusing. Um, That
1: is a great, great way to analyze it.
0: And I, I wish I could take credit, but like I said, that was shared with me a long ago by a gold looper. And I kind of went, it's really that easy? Because I had been very confused. And they said, yep, it's really that easy. So a little tip, hopefully, to help you with that. Um, but let's talk about, uh, so if you are out there and you're a recreational vessel, what's the first thing you should do when you encounter a tow? Um,
1: I go back to the communication, mm-hmm. but do it. You don't have to do it the minute you see it, because you may seem two miles away, but at an appropriate time so that it's a safe point that you can make communication and make your arrangements for your, your proper passage. Because if there's a bend one way or the other, it makes all the difference in the world as to whether the toe is going away from you or coming at you and i go back to safety every time it's so important because i i've had so many people cross my bow at the last second and you're thinking my god if they only knew how much this weighs and can i get it stopped mm-hmm. and uh, it's uh, it, it'll make you a little nervous <laughs>
0: sure how long i'm sure it differs depending on the number of barges and the cargo, but how long does it typically take them to stop?
1: Probably, I would say about a quarter of a mile for, Mm -hmm. let's say a 2,000 horsepower boat with two of those barges that we talked about earlier Mm -hmm. with 12,000 tons of cargo, about a quarter of a mile to get it stopped.
0: Yeah. So a long time. To a dead
1: stop. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So it takes a little bit of time. So it's so important. And, these last-minute decisions can be very dangerous, and we don't want that. We want safety for everybody.
0: Right. So as you've as you've stressed, the key is to communicate. Um, give us an example of what you should say to a tow captain if you're wanting to overtake him.
1: Okay. Uh, identify yourself as to what your boat name is calling the tow at whatever mile the tow is at since you don't know his name not unless you have what they call an AIS and it'll give you the tow boat's name on your AIS but that that comes under a whole different thing Uh but you should say okay uh tow at mile 351 this is the Miss Agnes uh I'd like to know what 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 which whistle you'd like to see me on and I, I've got to tell you this story because I had a lady tell me one day. She said, "Now, I said, ma'am, if we could, I'd love to see you on that one whistle." And she said, "Now, is that your one or is that my one?" <laughs>
0: right. That's <laughs> an, an example of the confusion that that is out there surrounding that, those. That, so, that, um, yeah,
1: that's it. And mm-hmm. and you don't want that. You want. You want positive people talking positive language because if you don't know, ask that question because any of the professionals will help you any way they can. Right. Uh, Kim, there's one thing I'd love to talk about if I could.
0: Absolutely. Is
1: the the locking situation (laughs) and how that works a little bit. Um, When you approach a lock, you've got to call the lock man. Remember, he is in charge. If he doesn't like the way that you're operating your boat, or he doesn't like the tone of your voice or the way you're talking to him, he can back you out of his lock and make you wait. Mm -hmm. Uh, He is in charge at all times. It is so important that uh, you call him on channel 16. And when you go in a lock and let's say... Uh, let's let's say there's a government vessel, and then, then, then there's a commercial vessel like a tobo, and then there's a recreational vessel. Who is first and who is last when they all arrive at the lock at the same time?
0: I know the rec- well, we recreational know, vessel is last.
1: <laughs> that is correct. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's a wait, but sometimes the lockman will say, "I tell you what, that guy's got coal on his barges." I can let you lock with him, would there be a problem? And that's the way he'll, he'll approach it. Uh-huh. Or he'll say, well, that guy's got a red flag barge. I cannot lock anybody in the lock with him but that barge. Because if it were to blow up, you wouldn't want to be in that lock with him. So okay. that they will not let you lock with a red flag barge. And sometimes the wait is long. And a lot of times the tow boaters will say, well, you've got a group of the recreationals here. Why don't you get them through and then I'll lock after them. It just depends on the situation.
0: Right. And from what I hear from, from loopers out there, really attitude is everything. Um, in is. dealing with, you know, with both toes and with lock masters, these are professionals and, and this is their job. And um, of course they are treated with the respect that they should. And we hope that all loopers do that. Um but, yeah, their, their guidance is really going to be what's going to get you through those areas safely. Um, a lot of loopers also, and, and you can tell me, Robbie, if this you know seems to hold true in most areas, find it's helpful if they're stopping for the night um, just above a particular lock. They'll check that, in with the that. master and find out what time would be a good time for them to come in the morning. And if a group of boats can go together, you know, that's kind of all the better. You're saving everybody time in that way.
1: There you go and that is the key to it. So loopers need to understand groups are great things and if you have a straggler you know y'all wait on the straggler or try to include him if you can. Sometimes it doesn't work out because you're always working on the clock because most loopers are trying to get to a destination before the sun goes down and I understand that. And, uh, but anyway, it's, uh, it's really important that you do it in groups. If, if it's possible.
0: Right. Um, any other advice, uh, you know, since we've been stressing how important communication is, any other advice on communicating with that tow captain, you know, you mentioned asking, do you want to see me on the one? Do you want to see me on the two? Which side do you want to see me on? Um, I'm assuming that applies whether you're overtaking or meeting or there, is there a different way you should approach that communication?
1: That is it. Just either way, but make sure you make that communication, especially when you're overtaking, because most of the time the guy doesn't see you behind him. And a lot of people are try to overtake and they try to do it. They assume that they know what whistle to do it on, and sometimes it just doesn't work out very well. I, I had a guy run aground because of that, and it was nobody's fault, but I couldn't help it because I was in a restricted channel. Mm hmm. And sometimes that's the way it works out.
0: Yeah, I, I think this is really helpful for loopers to kind of to, to understand the expectation um, because really the, the barges, the toes don't have the ability to stop on a dime, as you said, or to maneuver as quickly as a, a pleasure craft can. So I hope all the loopers will keep that in mind. Robbie, you mentioned when you were out there as a, a tow captain, you didn't uh, really know about the great loop. Um, do you think that that's changing? Do you think a lot of tow captains know about the great loop and recognize that burgee at this point? And what's their impression of loopers?
1: Well, I think it's really good, and let's go back to the tin tom. It is a yachters paradise. It's, um, you know, because there is no current most of the time, um, it's, it's really a shortcut. It's 1,300 miles shorter to Paducah by using the tin tom than it is going up the Mississippi River. Uh, on the Mississippi River, some of those tows have 50 barges in tow. They'll be have empties and loads in them, and most of those tows are 12,000-horsepower tows. And, but it's so important to, about the communication, like we talked about. And uh, the curiosity, Kim, uh, is something that's great. Uh, the loopers do. They'll call and say, now, Captain, uh, what is the cargo in those barges? And they want to know about the cargo. And always, always stress That channel 16 is, you know, you always take them to an alternate channel. Uh, The Coast Guard's continuously getting on the air saying, 16 is a hail and distress channel. Would you please shift your traffic? And you hear that
0: constantly.
1: But it's because they are trying to make arrangements with other toes or whatever the case might be. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: All right, Robbie. Great advice. Um, before we wrap up, just tell us what you're up to these days. Because you mentioned you're not a tow captain anymore. I know you're with Dog River Marina and A and I'm Yacht Sales, which is one of our Admiral sponsors. So tell us a little bit about what you do these days.
1: Well, I am a broker with A and M, uh, and we will be at uh, we will be at Rogersville uh, in a few weeks, and we look forward to it. And if i can answer any questions and i do sell boats i'm a boat broker and i cannot tell you how much i enjoy being a boat broker and enjoy all the loopers that come to dog river and we look forward to seeing everybody this year this will be my third year at loopers and it's just been such a great experience um Kim, to answer your question about trying to let the tow boaters know about it, Mm -hmm. when you go to those big meetings for the 10 Tom Association and some of Mm -hmm. those things, the owners of the companies come, but not the tow boat captains. And they never share that information. And I would stress that the owners need to talk about it because sometimes in the fall and the spring of the year, we have such big volumes of people moving up and down the 10-time yachts. It's always at that time, and I had no idea why it was. And, Uh and, you know, now that I sell boats and we do so much business here at Dog River with, you know, fueling people on the loop and talking to people, and people leave their boats here for the winter and that kind of thing. And it is fascinating, but I don't think that the owners tell the operators the actual people that run the boats anything about the loop and they need to they need to stress it with them and talk to them and communicate with the, with the operators
0: well, hopefully we can continue to to get the word out, and if they invite me back to the Tentom Association meeting again, um, I'll make sure I, <laughs> I mention to, to those tow uh, company owners that they share that with their captains. Robbie Gwynn, thank you for joining me today. This was a great discussion. I think it's been really useful information for loopers, so we appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Kim. I appreciate it, and y'all take care, and see you in Rogersville.
0: We'll see you in just a few weeks, and to our listeners, thank you for joining us today. We'll be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising.